are the Coin Boys, your average everyday crypto bros. That's right, it's Andy, aka producer, by the way, or producer BTW on Twitter. And sitting right across from me is Daniel Gutierrez. What's up, everybody? How's it going, man? Pretty how, good. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah. I'm happy. I had a great weekend. It's I had a great weekend, did, man. Did you have a great weekend? Though? No, I was kind of sick, but um, I mean, I was getting over being sick. I've been like sick for some reason. It wasn't. I don't think it was the flu, but I was really feeling shitty, and uh, I'm glad to be kind of back because I'm starting a new show tomorrow, so I'm excited about that. Yes. Um, because it pertains to us, kind of, because uh, it's about it's a, it's a show for E3, uh, so that's exciting. Um, that's on the palette, but uh, uh, according to this past weekend, I almost cried uh, watching the new Attack on Titan episode. I nice. Was like holy. When an anime can make you cry, that's very powerful. I was just like, holy moly! I ended up seeing Rocket Man over the weekend. Awesome. Did you like that? I love musicals, and this is a musical. This is a musical first, and then his biography second. But it, the way it's told, I like it. I got shit for it, but I liked it better than Bohemian Rhapsody. But I didn't like Bohemian Rhapsody. Interesting. I hated Bohemian. It Rhapsody. was okay. I was like, they missed so much of his story that that I was upset. But in in the Elton John pick and Rocket Man. Elton John like fought to make sure he got a lot of stuff in there. And the way it's told is through his point of view, which is very obviously artistic. So that's why it's a musical. So you take everything with a grain of salt, but you also know that there's a lot of truth. There's a, it's a nice big grain of salt that you're getting. There's a lot of truth to, to, to what's being said, just not how it's being presented, if that makes sense. No, I, so. I, I, he made some really good music, man. Well, and they talk about the guy who really kind of made the music. Oh, I see. See, I don't know much about it, so I'm, I'm so really So he curious he to see it. he was really good at piano, and uh-huh. this is kind of well known. He's really good at piano. He's great. Another at guy wrote the lyrics. Got and it. Together they make the song. Oh, he would write the the music, and he would do the lyrics. Yeah, and he would sing. and he would sing too. Yes. Wow, that's good. Cool. I mean, that's how it is today. You have co-writers on everything. It was a great partnership, great. and they talk about the partnership. It's a very important part of his life. So. All right, I'm excited. I'll see it. I'm, I I think off the podcast I said I love like musical biopics for some reason. Yeah. Um. Not. But a- this one was done. This is the first time where I've seen the music not used as like, okay, now this is when he created this song and then they sing that mm. song. This is the music is used to tell his life story. Like they he, like at the beginning of, of the, the 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 movie, he sings a song called I Want Love, where it's not just him, it's like the whole family. It's kind of hard to explain. You'll see it. But I Want Love was a recent song that was just done he just released that a few years ago, but he used that as a part of telling the story of that particular point in his life. Right. Which was pretty cool. That is cool. Well, anyway, let's uh let's get right to it. Um, we're gonna do some block news. So anyway, uh, I just wanted to start off the top because in a group chat circle, you know, I'm lucky enough to get awesome people that kind of share funny things that are happening in crypto. I feel yeah. like it's and this is not just something that ha- that was shared to us. This is actually pretty well known, but it's funny. Yeah, uh, and shout out to the Satoshi Droppers. Uh, but Justin Sun tweeted, I've officially announced I've won the record-setting 20th anniversary charity lunch hosted by Warren Buffett. I also invite blockchain industry leaders to meet with a titan of the investment industry. I hope this benefits everyone. Uh, he hashtag Tron, TRX, BTT, and BitTorrent because they own BitTorrent. Mm-hmm. Warren Buffett auctioned off a dinner with him and how many people that you can think you could bring? bring seven people? Like around seven people? Um, either way, you can have a dinner with Warren Buffett. So uh, it was a big auction. It ended up being four point one million. So it was four million five hundred and sixty-seven thousand eight hundred and eighty-eight. So four and a half million, basically. Yep. And 
he and it was found out that Justin's son was that was that auction winner. But was it did Warren Buffett tweet first saying here's the anonymous winner? And then Justin Sun said, it's me. Or did he say that I was the know. opposite? I have no idea. I because I think it would be funny if it was the other way. I, that I don't know. I just know that, um, that that I guess Justin Sun announced him itself. Because he, he, it's an anonymous donation. It's supposed to be anonymous, but Justin Sun doxed himself. So yeah, for Warren, a purpose. So Warren Buffett thought it was going to be anonymous. So he probably did it before Justin because why would you... like? That's the thing is like Justin Sun just totally was like, surprise, it's me. It's Justin Sun with all my Tron money. I well, I bet you it's because Warren Jesus. Buffett didn't know who it was. Tron could spend four point. I mean, it's for a charity, by the way. So that's. But nice. is it Tron spending it or is it Justin Sun spending out of his own money? I, is his money is his money? He Tron? made his money from Tron. <laughs> he or actually, Tron. He, I think he did some stuff before Tron even. But um, listen, he's they're doing plenty well out there. Uh, in their own right. Yeah, and I'm not a, not that I support them or anything. Here's the thing: but I'm not going to believe it until I see it because I don't know. He promised people cars and took it away. He promised people anyway, stuff and took it away. Honestly, this isn't like news. News. This is kind of more like fun news here. But uh, thanks for telling me when to have fun. Yeah, this is a fun <laughs> news because you know a lot you of should be ecstatic in your car right now. You should be don't overjoyed. Forget, we had we had <laughs> Tron on this podcast. Don't you forget. We did. We did. Like I, we well, we talked about Tron on the podcast. We didn't actually have no. We did Justin Sun on, on the podcast. Not Justin Sun, but we had someone at Tron that worked for Tron. Did we? Yeah, on the GameSpeed episode, we interviewed. Oh yes, Roy. We did interview Roy. Okay, I forgot the GameSpeed episode. Yeah, that's what it was. So we have it marked down. Okay, we have marked down that we talked about them and then. The <laughs> well, we gotta ask him then. No. Anyway, uh, what's next on the docket for Black News? So. We have breaking news. The when you hear this is when it is released. We are a part of that news team now. Uh, and I'm very proud of that. But Lucid Sight, whom you may remember, uh, we, had them on, uh, we had them on a few weeks ago. They, uh, they were with MLB Champions. We had Randy Saf. And, he, um, and they were talking about MLB Champions, uh, a blockchain uh, Major League Baseball game. And then they also t- were talking about another game called CSC, which is a starship game that, where you can collect... And trade starships on the blockchain. Uh, uh, it's under Ethereum right now. So they just made an announcement that they have struck a deal with CBS. Who does CBS own? The one and only Star Trek. That's franchise. correct. So uh, they also own a lot of stuff, but Star Trek works extremely well with their CSC franchise where they get to trade starships so they're going to do a limited time offer of offering the actual and only branded blockchain starship for for um for uh star trek onto the game so people can actually trade the uss enterprise that's just crazy it's gonna go for a lot that's for sure yeah i want i want the i wonder i didn't i I would like if they'll be able to have the ds9 the uh deep space nine like whole uh you know, space station. That would be cool. Um, wow. wonder how much that one would go for. Yeah, I mean, well, it seems like, I mean, obviously a lot of the developers uh, and the CTO himself is actually a very big, and, and he's also a co-founder as well. Um, he's a huge uh, fan yeah, of Star met. Trek. Yeah, we met him. So yeah. he's a huge fan of Star Trek. Good. And he uh, it seems, and so he seems like he really wanted to do this and was like really eager to do this. I think it was a great, smart Well, it's integration it's just like how they have mlb champions is kind of like a digital baseball card game mm-hmm. or trading platform using yeah. blockchain so it just makes sense we already have a space adventure 
why don't we uh, get a license that might be willing to let us make their ship's likeness in it? Like, man, I, they could probably do more than just Star Trek. I'm really impressed. So uh, congrats and kudos to you guys because it's really important. You guys are attaching, you know, well-known names like Star Trek. And bringing them to the blockchain. And bringing Technology. them to the blockchain. And um, so kudos to you guys. And we put up a, a couple of links on our site. We got all kinds of stuff up there. Check it out. We're really appreciative to be a part we of... We also have the announcement blog up on that site yep. too. Thecoinboys.com. Go visit. Yeah, it's at thecoinboys.com. And Coinboys Podcast, we posted it on the Twitter. And we did a little fun thing on our Instagram. Same handle. Uh, I don't think we have a heavy block news. But yeah, that was it, man. That's it. But we do have an awesome in-depth interview with uh, Jez San, who is actually really... Okay, so this this interview blew my mind. I'm just going to say right off yeah. the bat. Why? Because he... Well, don't give that part away. Okay. I'm going to stop you there okay. myself. But stop me. he is with Funfair. Funfair Technologies. And we were excited to have him on. They're, they're making a lot of progress with their technology. And I love to gamble. But Andy was uh, was gushing during this interview without uh, without even realizing who he was talking to. Yeah, I just didn't realize how. I guess the the thing to tell his you history. guys is that his history goes as far back as one of probably the most famous franchises in in Nintendo history. Yeah, and so, a bunch of others. Yeah, no, he's he's in it. So this was really interesting. For, so if for, you want to enjoy a, a very, uh, you're gonna you're gonna be gifted basically with this episode a very video game centric episode about history or a part of that history and i i definitely asked some really great questions but anyway let me throw right to jez san with funfair technologies well I, i'm an old timer in the gaming business so i was in computer games from a very early age um I built my first game in 1981, I believe. The year I uh, was, okay, that that's a good year. Really, for the me. year you, the year you were I born. I didn't mean you to say that. Right. I was just gonna hold that. But I do want. I'm a big gamer. What is it? A game I might have heard of? I don't. I, well, it was. Uh, but the first one or two you might not have heard of. The first one was called Skyline Attack, which was like on the Commodore 64. It was like a Defender clone, uh, and then but the second one you would have you might have heard of, which was called Star Glider. Yes. Which was big big in the 80s. No uh, way. It was it was a big hit in the eighties, and then we got into we did Star Glider two and a few other games, some flight simulator type games, and then we uh, got into um, the console world, and then we started doing Nintendo games, and then you definitely will have heard of us because uh, we built uh, a Star Fox for Nintendo, which uh, was um, a, a big hit. We, we built the game for Nintendo, so we did we did the programming on it, and not only that. But we invented the 3D chip that went along with it, which is called the SuperFX chip. So um, our credentials are good in computer games can, and, and video games. Yeah, tears are like forming right here. I don't want you to see them because I'm on camera with you. That's amazing. <laughs> right wow. There. I am sorry. I did yeah, not so, do my I mean, homework. I'm glad that I did, I, you're telling me this right now as a gamer. That's great. So the, our claim to fame with the SuperFX chip was it was the first ever 3D graphics accelerator. So it was before... Like, you know, I mean, now every computer game and every console game uh, system has um, a 3D graphics chip. But we did the first one. We, we did the one in Star Fox. And uh, what was it called the, again? The, the Super FX chip, which was inside Star Fox on the original Super Nintendo, on the 16-bit Super Nintendo system. Yeah, Nintendo had, must have been uh, like, oh, man, we really like this chip you guys made. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's that, cool. That, that, 
we used it on a few games. We used it on Star Fox, um, and Nintendo used it on Yoshi's Island, which was like a Mario uh, esque game. Uh, it was it was in a bunch of other games, uh, and it was basically the first time that you could do 3D on a home system. Uh, so it was it was basic by today's standards. It was like nothing to shout about. But back then, it was the first. No, so that, it, it, back then, it, you blew my mind as 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 yeah. kid playing these games. I was like, this I you know, for a little bit, you think it's kind of real, and you think that that this thing is inside of your house. Do you mind if I ask a couple more questions? So what year was it yeah. when Star Fox? What um, year was this about? I'm. I'm I'm a bit hazy because it was quite a long time ago, but it was early '90s. So did you meet? Like, uh, I'm sure you talked to Shigeru Morimoto. Oh yeah, yeah. We, uh, we worked for we worked for Miyamoto. He was. Oh our wow. Boss. Was that what was that yeah. like? That was amazing. He's, he's a he's legend. Such a talent. He's a yeah, legend. No, he is a legend, and you he know, was he was he was awesome. He was the nicest guy. Uh, he looked after us. You know, we we actually had a team inside his office in Kyoto, uh, in in Nintendo headquarters. And I'm sure. Uh, and, you know, I was a big fan of Iwata and the things he did for the industry. Did you know uh -huh. Iwata as well? Yeah, yeah, I, I knew them all. I, um, I worked with, um, oh gosh, I've blanked on so many of them. Uh, Takeda-san, um, Izushi-san. Uh, Izushi designed the Game Boy. Uh, he actually really looked after me. He like took me to visit every single temple in Kyoto, like all 2,000 of them. You know, he's like, <laughs> so and I had an amazing time back then when I was young and um, I was commuting to Kyoto from London. I was doing one week every month uh, in, in Nintendo, uh, so, teaching wow. them how to do 3D games so that I was like their, their 3D sensei or whatever you call it. Wow, so that's pretty cool, Jazz. I, and and I had to dig into that because as a gamer myself, and obviously in this podcast, yeah, this is perfect. You should because, have seen his face. Because you know, I you know, <laughs> it was just, you know, I'm a big gamer. If I'm yeah. naming those those famous uh, Nintendo people, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, well, we also did some early. Uh, we did the first, um, or maybe the second 3D platform game, which was called Croc on the PlayStation. Absolutely no Croc, that, of course. And that was pretty big in yeah. in the early days. Um, and that had a funny history as well, because originally we built it for Nintendo using the Yoshi character, and then Nintendo turned us down and said, uh, we want to do our own 3D console game. And, but they got the inspiration from our one, oh, that what? 3D platform game. And so Mario 64 was what Nintendo built after they saw our game, and then we created our own character called Croc and did our own thing. But And that, that's kind of when we parted company at that point. But uh, until that time, we were doing quite a lot with Nintendo. Nintendo's like the Edison of video games. Just wait till somebody <laughs> else invents it, and then they'll take it. Well, you know, th th they just needed someone to show them the way, and then they did the thing. <laughs> and then they did it. Got it. Okay. That's interesting. Okay, so obviously huge uh, gaming background in general. So did that – did you yeah. just – did? how did you end up from gaming uh, – So – uh, um, so I did computer games for 25 years, uh, and so Argonaut was my baby. I started it when I was very young. I built it up, and you know we ended up being quite large as a game developer. Um, and then things became very expensive and very risky, and it became like on a knife edge. If you didn't have a hit, you were dead. And you know, so you produce game after game after game, and some of them are hits and some of them aren't. And we unfortunately we signed up for a very big game. Uh, with Electronic Arts, uh, which was the Catwoman game based on the movie, and we were working on it. We were, you know, they made us do it in record time, which we did. And then the movie came out and it tanked. And it was like I've never seen a movie leave movie theaters like before <laughs> the first week. Yep. You know, it kind of came out and two days later. It was gone as a movie, and so obviously the game tanked. And then that was a very expensive mistake for us. But you, you never know when you start it, and you know, you've got like an Oscar-winning actress attached, and you've got, you know, oh, yeah. It had I mean, so it, much it had everything going for it, 
but then as soon as the movie came out, it was dead. And so that that was the game that killed us off. Well, well for um, those of you who don't know out there, uh, Halle Berry at one point was Catwoman. You probably didn't see it because nobody yeah. else did. You, but she did accept yeah. her Razzie that year for it. She did accept it. She was, she was very <laughs> She popular. got an Oscar and a Razzie uh, both, both, both same year, yeah. Yeah. Great. Wow. Um, so um, after that, my so the story was um, I was playing poker for fun with my friends and loving it. And then playing online um, with um, uh, party poker yeah. and, and um, paradise poker at the time okay. and, and poker stars. And I was like missing the experience and thinking, you know what, this poker could be a lot more fun. It could be a lot more like like the real poker game I play with my friends. If only it was graphical, if only if it was 3D, if only you had avatars. And so then we went on and I took a team of 10 out of Argonaut and we started a new poker company called PKR.com, which you probably never saw because it never hit America. We never launched it in America because of the legal issue. But we, we were big in Europe for a while. And, uh, and it was the only poker game that was completely different than all the other ones. All the others were like text-based with a couple of icons. And our one was full 3D with proper avatars with, with body language and tells. And like it was like much more like the real game of poker. Uh, and we did that for about 10 years until um, the legal issues of, you know, what countries you're allowed to operate it in. And also PKR was very underfunded compared to the big guys. They had raised millions and millions in the you know, or hundreds of millions in the stock market, and we hadn't. And so uh, eventually PKR came to a, an end. Uh, and that's when we we started something new, and we started thinking about what we could do next. And so my, my founders that came from PKR, um, we, we thought, well, you know what, we could, uh, sorry, and blockchain was my hobby, and I've been in blockchain and crypto for a while. Uh, and we thought we could actually uh, do something that significantly improves the gaming industry uh, and makes um, makes it a much more level playing field and makes the games fairer for the player. So we do some things that no one's ever done before uh, to make games fair. And um, so we thought we can really use blockchain to to make a difference and to um, throw away the rule book about how everyone had built casino gaming on the blockchain. And and we could, we could do it in a way that um, truly empowered the players and um still the same business model still the same game still the same everything that people know and love but make it much fairer for them uh, and that's what we have done at funfair i i, I want to go back to a little bit uh so you yeah. how did you get introduced into blockchain technology so i started following bitcoin uh in 2011 i guess when the wired article came out and people started talking about it but I didn't actually buy my first Bitcoin until 2013 when the credit crunch happened and the, the, the Greece uh, and Cyprus uh, crisis happened and, you know, the banks were taking people's money from their own bank accounts and, and Bitcoin became quite prominent as, you know what, people, you could actually put your money in a safer place where the bank isn't going to steal it. Uh, and so that's when I tried to buy my first Bitcoin in like February of 2013. And I failed because I couldn't get KYC'd on uh, Mount Gox, which is just as well, as yeah. it turns out. Oh, you got lucky. <laughs> you and I managed months. to buy my first Bitcoin in April of 2013 for a lot more because it was like $20 in, in February and it was like $100 in April. But I still managed to buy my first one at $100. And then, and then I, I bought a bunch more since then. And um, so that's when I got into Bitcoin. And I also went to one of the first Bitcoin 
conferences, which was in San Jose, I think in May of 2013. And, and I went there, I, I remember telling my wife that I went there to figure out if this is an industry I wanted to be in and if there were enough um, legit players and not everyone is an anarchist. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I needed people to actually have a long-term, long-term sustainable business um, using blockchain and cryptocurrencies and not just be fuck the government, which is, you know, what what uh, some lot, of the people uh, at the time were, were thinking. Yeah, it started off that way. And I feel it's become, it's obviously grown and hopefully the growth will still continue. So that way the whole yeah. everything else grows for Bitcoin. But neither, either way, the technology is still here. It's valid. So it, whether Bitcoin survives or not, blockchain technology will we'll continue to move right. on. And and so I, I went to I, I went to lots of um, blockchain and, or crypto conferences, especially Bitcoin. Uh, I was at the Miami conference when Ethereum was launched. Um, I took notice of that and thought, you know what, Bitcoin was incredibly world changing and disruptive, but Ethereum is as well in a whole different way that um, to, to me, um, I know this is quite simplistic, but to me, Bitcoin is a bit like uh, DOS in that it is a computer operating system. It's it's the base layer for sending value across the internet. But for me, Ethereum is a bit more like Windows in that it's a programmable application layer where you can build lots of things on top of it and not just value transfer. So for me, um, the invention of Ethereum was actually even more empowering than the invention of Bitcoin, uh, even though it is based on the blockchain technology which Bitcoin pioneered, but it took it in a in a direction that allowed everyone to create applications, uh, which is key to what we do at Funfair. Awesome. Um, this, which leads us to our next question in regards to Funfair and and, and its purpose. Uh, what's the next question? Yeah. So, uh, online gambling uh, is a huge industry itself. I mean, uh, and 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 I think it's also a booming industry because recently, you know, in America alone, we had federally legalized gambling. But uh, where is blockchain? What is a where can blockchain solve the issues for problems in online gambling? That's a great question. Uh, so uh, a little bit of a background to the way online gaming works. And having come from online gaming, um, I was a witness to the way it works and the way it has always worked. And um, a lot of it is down to the way it's regulated. But um, the, the biggest problems for me about um, online gambling um, in particular are the way that the player has to trust the casino. And that starts with you can't play unless you've made a deposit into the casino's custody. You know, you literally, you can't play games from your own wallet. You have to, you have to find a way to get your money into the casino before you can play any games. And then if you play games and you win, um, you have to find a way to get your money out. And it's not always that easy. Sometimes they put barriers in the way or they try and upsell you things before you can withdraw your money or they don't let you withdraw all your money because some of it they've tied it up on some like harebrained scheme or something. So there's a lot of trust that you have to make just to get your money out. And that's, yeah. go ahead, you. No, I had, I had that same issue in regards to, in regards to that when I, you know, when I actually was able to cash out something on some of my stuff here, uh, the check was going to take like eight weeks just to get here. Yeah. And, right. and that's if it got here in eight weeks. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so that's the start of the problems. And then the, and then the other problems related to trust are that, um, the games are played remotely on what they call an RGS, a remote gaming server. And that server is in the middle of nowhere somewhere. It's not. It's usually not in a major place. It's usually on like some 
secret island, you know, or some Indian reservation somewhere. It's, it's somewhere that you don't have access. And the games are played there on a server, and you have no transparency into what's happening. And you're told if you've won or lost, but you don't know if you were supposed to win when you lost. You don't, you don't have any visibility into whether the game was fair. And um, there are plenty of legitimate casinos out there that aren't screwing people, but there are some that are. And you don't know. You just don't know. And you have to trust. And you have to trust that you know the money goes in and that they look after it and they don't exit scam and steal it, which has happened. You have to trust that the games are fair and that they're not cheating in some way, which has happened. And generally, um, playing online games, although everyone does it this way, so this is the way they're used to doing it, and it's still massively popular, but it is not player-centric. Uh, and the players are relying on the regulators to police uh, the casinos and make sure that they're playing fair. And sometimes the casinos get wrapped on the knuckles for not playing fair. And sometimes the regulators don't know that cheating is going on or that they're, that they're screwing customers. Until it's way too late. Absolutely way too yeah. late. Yeah. So um, that leads on to how we can use blockchain and what we've done at Funfair. You're already naming all the things that I hated about about yeah. gambling online, just period. I have yet to gamble with crypto. I've used crypto to gamble, but it got tra it got changed back into fiat. Yeah, exactly. And that is the, that is the, actually the problem. If you, if you use crypto in the traditional incumbent way of doing online gaming, it's even worse than if you use credit card. Because with credit card, you've got chargebacks. You've got the ability, if they screwed you, like you can phone up your credit card company and say, they took my money and they didn't give it back. You do something about it. And the credit card company will usually help the customer because that's what they're there for. And they can undo transactions that shouldn't have happened. But with uh, crypto, it's a one-way transac you know, transaction. It's like when you've sent money with crypto, like with Bitcoin or something else, into, the, into a server-based casino, they have your money and it's up to them if they give it back. You can't undo it. You can't call anyone for help. Uh, you are at the mercy of the casino who is looking after your money. Uh, and that's not a position everyone wants to be in. So that leads on to what we have done at Funfair. So we've thrown away the way that it has always been done. And we started a game from scratch. Like, what would we do different if we didn't have to do it the old way? And the first thing we did was we don't run the games on a server. We, we run them on the client's machine uh, and we uh, don't take a deposit of the player's money. So the, the casino has no access to the player's funds while the game is being played. We made, so, and how do we do that? Well, that's where Ethereum comes in. Uh, we built all of the games in smart contracts. So that means every single game, whether it's roulette or blackjack or you know some forms of poker, but not the, not the poker that we all know and love, um, and slot machine games, all of them are running as smart contracts, which are little programs. And they're running on the blockchain, which is kind of like in the ether, and uh, no pun intended. <laughs> and so, um, so you know that they can execute correctly, and you know that it's being executed by the miners, you know, by the, the, the people who are validating transactions. Um, and so what we can do there is firstly, we can, we can run the games directly from your own account. So when you have money in your account and you play a game, the money doesn't go on deposit into the casino. The money goes into the game. The game decides who won. The, the, literally the game program, the smart contract decides, did the player win, did the casino win? And then when the game is over, the game sends the money to the right place. So the game sends whatever the player should have got to the player and whatever the casino should have got to the casino. So the casino has never touched the money 
until they won it, which is a much fairer system. It's completely safe. It's relying on the blockchain to guarantee who's supposed to get what payments. And that's so that's the first step. So go ahead, you were going to ask. No, so that that's a good. Uh, so our, uh, me as as somebody who's playing uh, on a slot machine or, or anything like that, I can go back into the blockchain and I can see what what transpired essentially. Effectively, yes. Um, but then then we run into the next problem, which is in theory, if we ran the entire game in a smart contract on the blockchain, it would be way too slow, and right. no one would ever be able to enjoy it because it would be too slow to play. And so then we have to solve the scalability problem, which is how do we make it fun and fast? And to do that, we built our own layer two scaling technology, which is kind of a bit like the Lightning Network, uh, except that we uh, make it run with smart contracts. So it's actually, uh, it's, it's very different than the Lightning Network and the Lightning Network is more of a network. And what we've done is what's called state channels. And actually we named them ourselves called fate channels. We gave them our own like catchy name. Um, but they allow us to start the game on chain and bring the money on chain where it's safe and where the blockchain looks after it, um, but then continue execution of the game off chain where it's super fast, like an existing online game. And and then and, and then when the game is over, it closes the state channel and distributes the money where it's supposed to be. Like player might get their wins or casino might get their wins. And the, and the so I mentioned earlier that the custody of the money is with the game not with the casino mm -hmm. uh, and so but also when the player puts their money into the game um, the casino also puts their money into the game at the same time and the casino puts like a hundred times what the player has put in because the player has to be able to win something and the yeah. player has to be able to win more than they bet so inside the game at any moment while a game is being played it has all the money it needs to pay out a win instantly which means you don't have to trust the casino. You just have to trust the game code is correct. And that's the first thing we do. The second thing we do is the way random numbers are generated, the way, because every casino game is, is a game of chance. Mm -hmm. And so the random numbers are the most important thing is, are they truly random? And is anyone juicing the random number generator to like favor themselves or something? And so we built a random number generator where the player and the casino both contribute equally to each random number and in a way that is guaranteed. It's not only is that a way that's guaranteed, it's also a way where you can detect cheating and you can detect cheating before it happens, which is wow. key. So, uh, and so we built all this technology that runs games fairly, that has no custody of player funds, that guarantees that the random numbers are fair, that the games are fair and fully transparent. And then we've, we've built now 20 games using this technology and it's live and it works and it's super fast and, um, the experience is pretty much exactly the same as any existing online game, except it's powered by the blockchain instead of powered by a remote gaming server. Wow. That, I don't know how you figured, I mean, did you just run, in, in order to figure this out, did you just run into a problem and then another problem and then just had to continue just figuring out yeah, what you need it, to create? It got, it got better and better because initially we, we were trying to solve how to do random numbers. And so we figured out how to do random numbers um, safely. And then it just snowballed from there. It's like, oh, you know what? We could actually run the entire game this way. And then it just like the tech just got better and better. And it and, and it solved not only our problems, but also blockchain problems because blockchains are really slow. I mean, they're, they're good at making trustworthy environments where people can transact, you know, where people can do commerce 
uh, without having to trust each other. So that they're, they're what some people call trust machines, but blockchains are not fast. And if you're trying to do games and you're trying to make them fun, they have to be instantaneous. And so we got that solved at the same time as solving the random number generator. So, so yeah, it worked. Wow. Uh, and then you got to a point where you said, okay, we can, let's go ahead and release this. I mean, you're obviously going to get better yeah, and better. We, as we did. I mean, it took, so we released it in prototype form in like, june of 2017 just to prove that we could do it mm -hmm. uh, uh but actually we didn't we didn't go live until like september 2018 uh live for real money yeah. and that's because um another thing we did is we're trying to like um bridge the two markets of the legal online gambling market and the blockchain gambling market and typically in blockchain most of the casinos are not legal they're that they don't have a license they're not regulated no one audits them they're they're like they're, they're cowboys you know they're like anonymous casinos and um whereas in the normal online gaming world they're all licensed and regular or not all of them but most of them are licensed and regulated so we're trying to like bridge this gap and trying to be licensed and regulated and do everything correctly and legally but also use the blockchain for all its advantages and so it's quite tricky to do that because getting regulators to understand what we're doing because it's so far different than what they are used to has been a challenge and it's taken us a long time to to explain to them and some of them don't want to know some of them don't want to understand that that for once we can actually play casino games without custody issues they they haven't even understood how big a deal that is now this it kind of brings up a little interesting question is uh, did you pick the uk just because this is where you're you're from that's where you that's where you're at and you chose the uk to start it up or did you feel like that the uk would be the best to help you with the blockchain no unfortunately mix? the uk was not the best um <laughs> no we, we we are we are in the uk because we happen to live in the uk okay. um it turned out the uk is an ultra conservative regulator and they don't want to know they, they don't like blockchain wow. they don't like they don't like certain things about blockchain like they don't like the yeah the money laundering aspect of it they, they don't like they haven't got their head around blockchain in general mm -hmm. and so they think everyone that uses crypto is a criminal and that's just not true like um <laughs> oh, wow. okay and, and uh, they also um what else yeah they haven't even had the conversation with us we tried to explain to them what we're doing that's different that's actually safer for players you know I mean, once if the casino doesn't take custody of the players funds like a lot of the risks are taken out. It's like so much better than the existing system. Um, that's let alone the provable fairness that we have that is significantly more fair than anyone has ever done before. But no, so the, the UK wasn't helpful to us. And um, so our initial license is in Curaçao in the Caribbean and okay. we're working on our second license, which is somewhere much closer to home. Um, but it hasn't been helpful that we've been in the UK, that's for sure. And so we actually had to... Um, uh, set up a second office uh, in Dublin outside the UK because some things we just needed to do outside the UK. I mean, it makes complete another sense to me. Thank, thank you for clarifying that because I was always very curious as to how the government is right outside of the US because we know the US pretty well, uh, which is kind of like wishy-washy, but they're at least focused. They're looking at it, whereas I didn't know how the UK government was even looking at it at all. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, I mean, I wish we weren't in the UK really because <laughs> our, our path would have been so much smoother if we didn't have the UK to worry about and if we were based somewhere else. Uh, but that, that's, we've had to do that now. We've, we, we, you know, as I said, we've got the two offices and we'll probably have more offices.
I just have a question about the actual games you guys made, your actual games games. Uh, I see you guys have a lot. Like you said, I'm on your site. Uh, uh, Fate of Thrones, the scratch card game. Uh, and, and these are games you guys are actually developing to in-house and making all the graphical stuff. So bringing, bringing, it's really, it must be easy for you to kind of know the two sides of it, like how to graphically make these games be fun and also... Yeah, block, absolutely. You know, well, because, yeah, the, the, the team in-house that has built these games, most of them anyway, um, are ex-gamers. I mean, they, they've been building computer games for their whole life, like I have been. Uh, and, um, you know, they, they now are doing casino games, but they've, they've got the gamer mentality. You know, they, that's what they've been doing for, for forever. Uh, so, yeah, we're, um, building fun games comes natural to us. And, and that is one of our strengths, as well as understanding the tech and understanding blockchain. Um, being able to understand what makes a good game is very important. What is, uh, if I could, I'm sure you guys know, what's the most popular game that you guys have that people play? Um well, it changes every day. Um, oh, wow. uh, but uh, but in general, um, blackjack is very popular, especially the VIP one that we just launched. That is like, higher stakes, so you know some people are liking it. Um, the slot machines, slot machines in general, are very popular. In crypto, dice games are very popular, and um, dice games are a very simple form of. Gambling you know that's a good point kind of, what there's all these yeah. dice games in crypto it's yeah. just like everyone's making these yeah. dice. so i see I you have... well i have a theory about it but it's <laughs> it's a, like um it's the rawest form of game it's the most True. pure like there's no in, in typical dice games there's no graphics Nothing. it's just text it's just like um you know you pick a number and you've chosen the range where you want to win if it's larger than this or smaller than that and you get given your odds and you just you know, hit the button to pick random numbers and see if they're within the range where you win. It's like, it's so simple. Um, now, we've tried to at least put some graphics into our dice game to make it a little bit more than just a, some text saying you won, uh, which is what most of them are. Um, but all the other games we've done are far more richer in graphical content. But the dice game is kind of, you know, quite simple because that's what people want for their dice game. Yeah, that, that makes it. sense. I don't need spaceships for my dice game. <laughs> oh, yes. uh, we, we've got spaceships in the, in the slot machines. And there we've you got, go. You know, and, and even our Wheel of Fortune, we've got, we've got multiple Wheel of Fortunes. Actually, only one of them is out, but there's some other ones coming. Um, but, you know, so, so we're good at theming and, you know, making things look pretty and fun. Uh, but some types of games, people just want simple. Yeah, and we've got we've got the sophisticated ones too. We've you know we've we've got blackjack, we've got roulette, we've got slot machines with like um, a gazillion pay lines and you know all sorts of mini games and things like that. We have all of that, so we've got something for everyone. That's cool. So it sounds like obviously you have a professional background in gaming, and it sounds like you guys really have have you know you had a plan, and you guys are really pushing forward, and uh, it sounds like things are going well. Now I I do have a, a question for you. Um, is, do you guys ever foresee uh, getting offline and using Funfair, say, this casino in Vegas will now accept Funfair, so now you could use the Funfair you used online at a, at a, at a physical casino? Is that possible? Or even just the technology, or the just gaming the technology. technology as well, into slot machines at the casino. Um, I, think, um, I think that will happen, and I think that we probably will do that one day. But that's not our main focus right now. Our main focus is is um, trying to educate the market that you know what, if you want to play these kinds of games, there is a better way, a safer way, um, like a, a more crypto-friendly way of doing it. Uh, and some of the some of those um, ideals, like the way we do KYC, which is quite unusual, in that we use the blockchain for that. And so when 
when people like want to play for the first time and they fill out their details, uh, it actually does it on the blockchain in a way that it like gives them a passport so then they can play. And um, once they've done that, they could play on any casino that supports that technology. So as we roll out more casinos or as our partners roll out more, and then they don't have to do KYC anymore. And, and, and I want you to kind of expand a little bit on that if possible, just because um, yeah. we've been trying to explain how KYC is better for the blockchain, but we didn't. I'm pretty sure we don't have the same grasp as you do. What, what are some of the benefits of that? Okay, so the main benefit, um, and this is a this is a controversial issue because crypto people generally don't like KYC. Like they 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 try to avoid it. They try to be as anonymous as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, I know it sounds weird, but casino the casino industry wants to be morally correct, and it doesn't want to let kids play um, gambling games, mm-hmm. right? So it's, you're mainly trying to protect kids, and to do that, you have to do age verification. And the only way you can do age verification is to actually know who the person is and look them up on a database to see how old they really are, see that they're old enough to be legally allowed to play. And so in some countries, legally allowed is 21. In some countries, it's 18. Probably there's a 16 somewhere as well. I'm not aware of it. But that's the main reason why we do KYC is to know that they are adults and therefore allowed to play gambling games. If you don't do KYC and you just put in the fine print, you're not allowed to play if you're a child. People are still going to play. Kids are still going to play because that's just red rag to a bull saying you can't play. Click here to say you're over 18. Of course, they're going to click to say they're over 18. So the only way to actually do it right is to do proper verification. Now, we don't publish that information. We, we, don't, we don't leak their details. We keep it private. But we need to know that they're old enough to legally play gambling games. And that's the first thing. And then there's some other things we do, too, like um, there are anti-money laundering AML regulations. Uh, which are make sure that they're not using stolen money, uh, make sure that, you know, that they're not terrorists or or in some country that uh, is blacklisted like North Korea or Iran or somewhere. So there's there's just, you know, standard government AML things that we have to do. But we only do those when they hit a certain limit, like when, when they've gambled a lot, yeah. then, then then it could be stolen money and then we have to check. Um, but and all we do to check is just ask them whether they work, you know, or like something, some simple question to do a little bit more due diligence. Nothing, nothing onerous that your bank wouldn't ask, but or even your credit card company or your phone company. It's, you know, same kind of process. But we try not to do that for low level players, only for, you know, whales, effectively. Yeah. Now, is there a benefit just in general for, because of course there are many sites, not just gambling, but there are other sites that also have to do KYC as well. Uh, yeah. On, on, for the, is there a benefit for me having, uh, going through a, a process on, uh, to do KYC for me on the blockchain? Like, is it, uh, so as I mentioned, the way we're doing it is, yeah. um, is like a good step towards the perfect system. So the way we're doing it is you do it once and then you get, you know the address that you had, the, the, your Ethereum address, uh, is is like specially marked, so that um, when you go on the site, it knows you've done KYC, and you could go on any site that is compatible, and it would know you've done KYC, so you don't have to repeat it. Which is different than existing online casinos where you'd have to do it every single time you sign up to a different site. So that's one benefit of doing on the blockchain. Another benefit, which we haven't implemented yet, but we are very soon. Is, a, is another of those protections. You know, I mentioned the big deal of protecting age, like making sure that, yeah. that people are are um, old enough to be able to play. Well, there's another reason why. If someone 
um, I know this sounds weird, but um, if someone says, I don't want to play anymore, I want you to exclude me. And, and there's legitimate reasons for doing that. You know, they might have lost some money and they don't want to play for a while or they might have a gambling problem. And, and so basically, if someone voluntarily says, please exclude me, you have to um, take their wishes into account and you have to exclude them. And you have to, you know, and that is the right thing to do. It's the morally correct thing to do. And the only way to do that correctly is to, is to use the blockchain so that if they hop from site to site, you don't want them to evade you know, and, and find another site that will let them play. You basically, if they said, I don't want to play anymore, I've got a pro real problem with this. Um, you want to res respect their wishes and make sure that they can't play until such time as they um, say, okay, I'm fine now. Now I don't mind playing again. And and that there might be a window before they're allowed to say that, you know, it might be a few months or something. So we haven't, we haven't implemented that yet, but it's on our roadmap to do that. And it's, the same kind of thing as the age verification. It's like, it's responsible gaming is what it's called. That's that's a really interesting point. That's actually a really, for people who are big, have a big problem, that can definitely help. And it's like, out. only a small percentage of people have a problem, but you still have to respect their wishes and do the right thing. Yeah. Like if they if they say they have a problem, they don't want to play, um, you have to not let them play. That's just the way it works. I wonder if that could spread out to off line like if somebody has a drinking problem and they attach this to <laughs> liquor stores well maybe you never know so so that's yeah. another use of blockchain and it's another thing because that the online gaming industry right now that isn't on blockchain has no real problem with that with with um not only age verification and KYC, but also problem gamblers and, and self-exclusion because people will hop from site to site uh, in a moment of weakness just to find somewhere to play when they shouldn't have been playing and when they might have you know it might not be doing them any good to play so um the 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 uh, regulators who understand what blockchain can bring to the table um, believe that this is really a compelling thing that we can actually uh, reliably, um, when someone self-excludes, we can reliably exclude them um, and respect their wishes. Excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah, very informative. Uh, I, I, I do want to ask uh, before, I think... I think we've uh, learned a lot, and, yeah, and you shocked me with all all your gaming history, which is I could do a whole episode <laughs> interviewing you just about that. I could, stuff. I could tell you what's coming because um, something we mentioned before we went on online. So we've got some big changes coming, including one that literally just li went live today. But but you're you're not actually putting this out today, so it's not going to no, be no. Um, you know shocking news. But actually, the KYC thing that I mentioned, um, the one that we were doing, was way too um, overzealous and was like asking too much information and actually recording a video of you reading out some random words and it was like a little bit too high a hurdle I for see. people to have to jump so we have a new one rolling out today that is much simpler and that is going to be much more easy for people to pass and so it's still kyc and it still looks people up on a on a proper database but it is like easy you know you can pass it in in a minute like instead of in half an hour oh, perfect then yes and so that, that's the first that's the first thing that came out today and then we've got something really big happening um in i'm going to say weeks we've noticed some problems with uh, blockchain and with how to onboard um new users and particularly inexperienced blockchain users like people that might not know everything about blockchain and um the, the real problem is what platforms does it run on like you know when when you access a a new site on your phone uh, most of the time you'll be told uh, go download it on your computer we don't run on your mobile or you'll be told 
uh, go download a different app because it doesn't run on the browser you've got. Yeah. And uh, it's a very bad experience for the user to be told, um, we can't run our game on your device or on your browser. And so that's the situation that is today with almost every blockchain application. Um, you need a special download of a special browser or a special wallet or or this or that. And it and it's um, a highly fragmented market and it doesn't let people just arrive and just play. So to solve that problem, which has been a really big problem for us, um, we have had to build our own wallet. And wow. our own wallet does something that has never been done before. It runs on every browser, on every device, and doesn't need to be installed. It literally, if you've got Safari on your iPhone or Chrome on your Android phone, or any browser on your desktop computer, it will run and it will let you get in the games. And that is a, a really big deal for us. And that's coming out in some number of weeks. That's excellent, that's awesome. actually. Just really quickly, that, that um, so I can link that same wallet to every single browser. So if I leave from one to the other, just walking around, whatever I can, I, will I be able to link or no? Like uh, what if, do you mean by link? So, so if I have my wallet installed on my desktop uh, browser, yeah. and then I'm just walking around using my, uh, I'm on my phone, and somebody yeah. accepts Funfair. Yeah, they, they are linked. They are linked. linked. So, so we basically, we, we've given people a login so that you can carry on your game with your same wallet on any platform. Wonderful. So it, it, Smart. it makes it much more usable, and particularly it makes it easier to get into for a new user, for a user that isn't an expert at blockchain and doesn't know what wallet to have or what browser to have. Which is what well, we've been I, telling everybody, user-friendly. I, yeah. <laughs> I think that's yeah. that's super important because user-friendly has been yeah the major problem. And listen, if you can figure out a, a way for people to log in easier to your platform, then amen. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So that, I mean, we, because we um, have managed to embed the analytics into our website and we can see the user journey as they arrive on the site and we can see what web pages they get to and we can see when they get stuck. And so there are some pain points that, you know, we've noticed uh, and we've got a lot of data that shows us a lot of people come in the site and then they get stuck and we lose them. And the wallet was one of the biggest issues. It's like, you know, so on Ethereum, the most popular wallet is MetaMask. It only runs on Chrome and it only runs on Chrome on the desktop. It doesn't even run on Chrome on the mobile. And so if you've got Safari or Edge or some other browser, it doesn't run. And if you've got a mobile phone, it doesn't run. And so we're just losing too many people when they arrive on the site and they want to play the games. They can't because they're then told, go download a different browser, go download a different wallet. And most people won't do that. Most people will not go download something else just to play your game. Yeah. So now we have a wallet shortly uh, that will work, that no matter how they arrive, no matter what browser, no matter what device, it will work. And it will let them hop, as you said, as you asked. Um, if you if you install it, you know, if you, if you sign up on the mobile and then you want to play at home on your desktop, it will still work. You'll use the same login. Oh, perfect. That's good. And then you don't have to rely on your clients or your customers going to like, they have to have Chrome. You know, that that's a big problem for people. Yeah. Like, what if I hate Chrome? I'm like, damn, I don't want to go on Chrome. So good. I, I really like the sound of that. So we're going to keep an eye out for that. And uh, absolutely. And uh, is, there, is there anything else in the near future you'd like to, to announce uh, before, uh, like anything we could look forward to besides all well, that? So by the time you go out with this, the KYC will have been live. So we'll see some data on how well that's doing. And then the mobile wallet will probably be imminent at the time that you broadcast this. So it'll be, it'll be any day now. It'll, you know, hopefully be like 
in the middle of this quarter, something like that. Uh, or maybe maybe late this quarter, but definitely in this quarter. Anyway, Daniel, that was that was excellent because it hit both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, very heavy in the gaming history and, side. And heavy on gambling. And heavy on the I'm gambling in. and that side of the crypto world and what Funfair is doing. But this, you're talking about a guy that helped found Argonaut Games, which or Argonaut Software, which people might not know. I mean, they're the ones that created Star Fox, obviously. So you, yeah. when I was doing the interview... His jaw dropped. My jaw dropped because I wasn't like researching so much on his background, but I just knew... I was like thinking about Funfair. Because you get locked into doing a lot of these interviews, and you're always thinking about the company. But, yeah, you think about the company first, and then... But we like that. We like to be surprised by their backgrounds on the show. And I was just like... My eyes lit up. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. And then, of course... I mean, they were very much, you know, I asked some questions like, what was it like to work with uh, Sigiri Morimoto, the yeah. guy who invented Zelda? And if you just heard the podcast, you heard him ask that question. Right. But <laughs> for me, I'm trying to give you my personal perspective. It was really cool because I asked questions I wish I could have been in the room with uh, uh, Iwata, Sigiri Morimoto, all these guys. But uh, excellent, excellent interview on the gaming side and also what they're doing. Uh, with a working utility and what they're doing for the gambling side that can't be forgotten because it's a huge industry. Huge. And we talk about it a lot on here. We've had guests that have been plenty involved with that industry. Gambling is, is again, is a a big way where a lot of crypto people come in. And you you heard it from um, from Ed over at Blockfolio. He explaining how he he has his own poker bracelet. So many people come from, from that aspect because it's, that's where crypto is also actually needed. I think we discovered that on this podcast. We saw a lot of people in gaming history, a lot of people in poker and, and gambling history, a lot of people from the entertainment industry and crypto. It's really interesting. For people who want control and people who I don't want so. to be restricted. That's, so it's either, it's either a restriction like in the gambling where they don't allow you or control mm. in the gaming where they don't give you. Yes. Uh, so it's been one of the two that kind of fo- focus people. Movie industries, they want more control over their own properties over, right. um, because there's a big, big problem with uh, copyrights and stuff. So blockchain can definitely help with that. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's just been an interesting ride because we've noticed these trends. And I think that goes to show you from a lot of our research and who we've had on the show, it really shows you mm-hmm. the people that are, are the big people that are involved in this industry and what, what big industries they came from. Yeah. Because gaming's, it's not like he came from game. Gaming's also involved in crypto, so yeah, that's what's yeah. interesting. Uh, so he, it's so smart that he understands both. Well, uh, so it was another great interview. Yeah, and I look forward to next week. What's happening next week? Well, next week, uh, first of all, I'm going to be like super busy because I'm working on what's called YouTube E3 Live, and you'll see it. It's a live stream that's pretty much a 12-hour stream where they interview all the biggest developers and publishers in the gaming industry before E3 opens the doors. Now, we are going to have some surprises for you next week, but we will not have a podcast for you next week because we are going to be super busy. And if that super busy acquaints to some awesome short-form content from us, then that's what you're going to get. And we're excited because it's E3 week. It's gaming week in L.A., and we live in L.A., so it's easy for us to get down there. So Yeah, so we definitely wanted to be there for you guys. And also, um, so then we'll be coming back with a normal episode the week the week after, a little bit of an E3 recap, and then we'll we'll get back into the groove of, of stuff after yeah. celebrating this momentous yearly occasion. Yes, for me especially. I've been going this... This will be my first time. Yes. So thank you. Be gentle. This is my, damn, like sixth or seventh time now, which is crazy. Uh, but anyway, thank you, Daniel. No problem, sir. What a good interview, huh? Uh-huh. Uh, 
I enjoyed it. All right. Actually, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was also, one, for those of you who don't know, I may have sounded nervous during the interview because uh, it was the first time we used our cameras during the thing. I felt it was weird if he had his camera on, so I felt it was weird to not have my camera on. And so during so the interview, looking at him I was like on? looking at him going, uh, hi. <laughs> I'm not used to looking at my interviewers in the eye unless like I'm in person. I'm not used to the video thing. But it was interesting. There's, you know, it's interesting about interviewing people before we go. What? Because I worked in reality TV and I was forced to like do the interviews with like people for the shows and like uh-huh. the way they would set it up with your eye line. You would like, you'd feel like it's awkward to stare into their eyes. But there's something weird about when you're working on cameras like and you're interviewing someone like officially, professionally, you yeah. lock in yeah. and you go into the zone and you, it's just natural. Well, that's okay to me because there's other people looking at you. And so. It's kind of in a converse in a natural conversation that works, but like the thing is, you weren't on the camera, so I'm looking no. at you. And I didn't know I'm looking that at him. Now. No, I just I didn't want to tell you because it wasn't a big deal. Until Why didn't you just so tell like, him to shut the camera? I had told him right before that oh. we could have, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, he liked it on. So I was like, oh. let's do it. So I was a little nervous. It's just me. Well, I didn't think I looked good for the man. Well, they <laughs> so were cool. <laughs> he was awesome. Uh, but anyway, uh, check us out at thecoinboys.com. If You don't see us next week. We're going to be back the week after. See you next time. Peace.